Hey, 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 you guys. It is your girl, Vet Green, coming to you on my Think and Grow podcast. If you have not already, make sure you subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Go ahead and hit that button to subscribe. Before you stop listening to this podcast, hit the button to subscribe because you know what's going to happen when you subscribe. You're going to be the first to know as soon as I drop an episode. You're going to be the first to know what content I'm putting out there. You're going to be in the know. So go ahead and subscribe. And I'm also going to post a link so that you can leave me a message to let me know if you're enjoying the content that I am putting out in this podcast. You can also leave me a message if you have questions that you need answers to, or if you have questions about certain things that I've gone through, please leave me a message because I am here to support you. I am here to support the breakthrough that you are looking for because you keep returning to this podcast. It's not a mistake. You are here for a reason. So go ahead and leave me a message and make sure you subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Say it with me. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. All right, you guys. So today I have a very special guest joining me on this Think and Grow podcast. And she's going to join me more often because we are growing together. It is my daughter, my first child, Miss Devajna Green. Clap, 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 clap. Hi, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Devashna. I am so appreciative. And Lexi, if you guys could see my grand dog, she's hit, she's clapping as well because her auntie is joining her grandma on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining me, Devashna. I am really, really appreciative. I'm really appreciative. Oh, you're you letting me join you. Oh, you're welcome. I, I, I believe that your growth has a story behind it and all of us when we are going through things when we are growing through things we tend to think that we're the only ones that's in that mess right that we find ourselves in mm-hmm. and our voice could help others facing the same types of mountains and challenges that we ourselves face mm-hmm. So my goal with me doing the podcast and the Instagram and the YouTube videos is to let other people know that you're never alone in the things that you face. You may feel like you're in this box all by yourself, but at the end of the day, there's someone else, many more other people who are also, you know, in that box feeling like, there's no one else like them feeling like they're like this anomaly. Like they're drowning. Yeah, like they're drowning. And actually got actually I went I went to church today. We tried to film this podcast episode a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> but we were having some technical technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. And I feel honestly a lot better than I did when we were first filming. Yeah. I remember saying um that I don't feel like I've grown. 
But today, I do feel like I've come. Maybe I do. I do feel like I'm growing. Yeah. And I went to church today, and the pastor talks about when uh, he gave an example of he seen this video of when you're teaching babies how to swim and they just drop the baby in the water and they wait for the baby to turn until the baby's uh face uh is up for air and then they the instructor holds the baby and he said like anyone would like their right mind would have been like get that baby get that baby yeah, i would have been the- get my child yeah, get my child exactly because <laughs> you never taught us how to swim or anything <laughs> but how it was it was beautiful that he said a lot of times when you're going through stuff you know you're calling on god and what it is is you're not drowning you're just learning how to swim because mm. you're thrashing around and everything mm-hmm. and god has you i forgot what i think it's in revelations 2 which is something i have to read tonight um and it talks about how god always has you in his right hand Mm, so I like that. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh <clears throat> until you when when you're going through those storms, you don't realize at the time because you do feel like you're drowning. Right. And you do feel like you can't come up for air. But what I've been finding is that once you get through that storm and you look behind you and see what you've come through, it's like, that's growth. Right. It is growth. That's growth. And a lot of times we don't realize that that's growth. You grow through what you go through. Right. But sometimes we stay stuck there. Yeah. Like I was just writing in my diary and you've said this to me many of times, um, I I like being comfortable in my depression. Mm -hmm. And in my diary, I wrote, I like being comfortable in my darkness. Mm. And that's because when you're depressed or anxiety-ridden, you know, it's depression lets you, or the darkness or the devil or whatever you want to call it, um, it's okay with you living in your filth. It's okay with you not taking showers every day mm. or practicing healthy hygiene or cleaning up your room, making up your bed. And there are times that you would be like, because I live at home, you'll be like, Devon, make up your bed or stop moping around the house and yeah. stop going on Instagram, even though I don't have Instagram anymore, but stop going, making these Instagram accounts and following these people that are just going to make you feel worse about yourself. Mm-hmm. And from what I wrote in my diary is that it's so easy to stay in that darkness because the darkness doesn't challenge you. Yeah. It doesn't make you say, okay, even though you, you're having a bad day, you're still going to get up and you're still going to brush your teeth and take a shower and you're going to fight through this. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. It just lets you sit there, be. It just lets you. It just lets you be, and I think with anyone, if you give them, if you say, 
okay, here, a million dollars is on the end of the road. And you said, all you have to do is walk from A to Z and it's a straight line. Versus if you show them a map and it's a million dollars at the end of the road and you have to go through tornadoes and blizzards and thunderstorms, anyone's going to take that straight road because it seems the easiest to get to the million bucks. Mm -hmm. No one is really going to say, you know what, I'm going to go through that tornado. I'm going to go through that thunderstorm or whatever. But that's what life is really about you're gonna get thrown curveballs and you're gonna yeah not a, it's not it's not a straight line nothing is a straight line whatever whether you were born in whether you're a hilton or whether you're a johnson from minneapolis it's gonna Life's not easy. Yeah, life is not easy. Yeah. And it was easy for me to, like, even now as I'm talking, I'm mustering up the strength for tomorrow to say, like, you you have to, even though, yes, it's easier for you to just not clean up your room, to not read the Bible, to not take a shower, to not comb your hair, do those things. Because mm-hmm. after you're finished, you do feel better about yourself. Even mm-hmm. if it's not, like you know, running a marathon, it's still baby steps. And you're accomplishing, you're accomplishing something. The way the human mind is set up, we have (coughs) this. So our minds are are meant to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. So if you're used to moping around and, and not, really like you said challenging yourself or being challenged in your life that's the comfort zone for you right the moment we start trying to step outside of that comfort zone our minds start telling us no no that's not safe yeah that's not safe you always feel like you're getting attacked more yeah Mm. yeah and sometimes it feels like you start encountering even more storms the more you start stepping out of that comfort zone and it and it's your mind saying no 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 you know stay away from that stay right where you are because you're going to be safe even though inside you feel like you're dying and that you you're you're really not living we humans like to to feel good and part of feeling good is knowing that we're accomplishing things in our life Getting up in every morning, like you said, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, getting up, going to work, doing something productive that makes us feel good versus not getting up, doing anything. You're sleeping all day. You're, you know, you're moping around and before you know it, it's nighttime and you don't feel like you've accomplished anything because you aren't doing anything we have to be in action to make us feel better. And a lot of people don't understand that. You know, depression for me came from me not being in action. Mm-hmm. I, from me not having a job, you know, not being productive in my life. I didn't, there there were, were moments in my life where I was, uh, I had downtime. Too much downtime for me, I've identified as a, like a stem for my depression. Right. When I'm down too much, I need to be in action. What is that saying? Like the devil, idle time. Idle time, time yeah. The devil's workshop. It really is. It really is. And if if you can identify where your depression is coming from, 
then I think that will get you on a good start. And some people need counseling. You know, I've tried counseling before in the mm-hmm. past. I wasn't as open-minded about it as I am now. Um, I When I was in counseling, I was more... I, I went to counseling as a victim mm. because of what I had gone through. Mm. So it was more of me just crying and, you know, them prescribing me medication. Right. That's what the extent of my counseling was. It wasn't, it didn't really help me at that time. What I think I needed was like a behavioral specialist to help me identify what was going on with me that was causing me to be depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had just like a regular psychiatrist. I don't need, she didn't really help me. So for me, I ended up doing the work on my own, which has been helpful, even though I, I am going to go into counseling. And I know we've Good. talked about this yeah. because there are some things as I unpack my life that, I need to dig deeper into because Mm -hmm. I know that there's guilt involved. Mm -hmm. You know, I I still in some ways hold on to the guilt of not being as present as a parent should have been, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was going through, you know, that downtime myself and I, and I, and a lot of the things that happened to you, you know, I, hold on to, you know, I feel guilty about. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and I do that forgiveness thing. Like I do the mirror work, you know, I forgive you for, I forgive, you know, I love you, but there's certain aspects and, and my parenting is one of them that I need to dig deeper in and, and definitely get some counseling on. Yeah, and there are, I'm personally, so I was in counseling, Mm -hmm. and I started counseling in 2017, and as you know, because I was in the military, being uh, shipped from place to place, I've had, excuse me, different counselors, and I'm out of the military now, um, and I've been working with someone, I was working for them, with them for a little over a year, but, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that about, like, you feel like your counselor just wasn't a match for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I feel like... um, I think a lot of people, that, that a lot of people I've heard say that, like, they haven't found a counselor that was a match for them. Right. And that's important. <laughs> and I didn't... I came into therapy as a victim, too. Mm. I wasn't... I was just wanting someone to... Hmm. I, I think I was just talk to, talk to mm-hmm. someone to, I wasn't looking to get pushed. I wasn't doing any of the work. Yeah. I remember, yeah, my, my last therapist, you know, she would want me to journal and I would barely journal. She would give me these skills and I would barely do them. Do they, do you, do you feel like they explain the reasoning behind why you should be doing that stuff? Because I feel like they weren't explaining it to me and that was probably one of the drawbacks you know for me in that counseling because you really do need to find a good counseling and I believe in counseling because mental health is very important is very very important um do I you know what I don't know I was just there Mm -hmm. like I I can't even remember 
I just showed up to show up. Mm. And I wasn't mm-hmm. really... Uh, you know, when I did journal sometimes, sometimes I would feel better. But um, now I want to take therapy so much more serious because, you know, there were times like, as you know, like I've been hospitalized because I just wanted to end everything. Yeah. And this year, a couple of months ago, I actually took it into my own hands and called my therapist and told her I feel like she got me to where she could get me to. And that, I honestly, I'll just say it, I, as a black woman, I need a black therapist with what's going on in the world, with racism, with who's in office. Mm-hmm. And you felt like you needed someone that could better understand. Understand you. what I'm coming yeah. through. And my therapist was a white middle, she even said like, um, she doesn't know, you know, how a white middle-aged woman can relate to what I'm going through, but she can try. Mm-hmm. And she did try, but, you know, going into therapy, I was in the military and I just took whoever they gave me. Going into, after I got out of the military as a veteran, I just took whoever they gave me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't ask for anything about my needs. I didn't, I didn't even know what my needs were. Do you, did you know what your needs were? I didn't. I didn't. That's why, um, I think I I stopped going and, um, like a behavioral counselor may be helpful for some people. Definitely when I am an advocate for counseling, Mm -hmm. I believe that we need to overcome all the trauma that a lot of us have faced and we don't even know that we're facing it. Right. Do your research, get on Google. And there's not to cut you off, but there are like, I've, you know, I'm just going to drop their name. You know, we're not sponsored by them and I've never used them, but I have family members who have used them and, I've heard other people use them. Talk space. Yeah. Um, I mentioned that to you before about trying talk space. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like their platform. I, I like that you can do it right over your phone because a lot of people aren't, you know, able to get into the office, especially like now during right. COVID, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like their platform. Yeah. That's what I'm worrying about now because I am going to be working a full-time job mm-hmm. and... The only day that I have off is one day during the work week. Mm. And I would have to schedule all my appointments on this one day. Um, So I was actually thinking about doing talk space. I've been out of therapy for almost a month. Um, But I was thinking about doing talk space. And the thing is... They accept insurance now as well. They so. do, and it's not it's not even that, is that and we've talked about this, whether or not you're in therapy or whether like no one and I, I I'm on medication and I was on medication you were on medication. I'm on medication for different things and I've been diagnosed with different things and I'm not against it. If it works for you, obviously it's not meant to be abused. Mm-hmm. I feel like, who am I to say? You know, that's a whole nother story on its own. And I get right. how controversial it can be. 
But whether you're on a medication or not, you still have to do the work. Yeah. And the, your therapist, your psychiatrist, your social worker, they're there to help you through the journey, but you have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't doing the work. And I was half A doing stuff or not doing stuff at all. Yeah. So I, I don't, why I'm hesitant to go to therapy is because I want to see what I can do actually doing, practicing my skills. That you've already, that, that I've already, you. yeah, that they've taught me before I download Talkspace. Because I remember my old therapist saying to me, Devajna, like, I can't do this for you. Like, I can give you the skills. I can practice these things with you, but... You have to be able to drink the water. Mm. You know, what is that saying? I, you can walk a pig. Lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Make them drink, exactly. Mm. And that can get frustrating because I have... Eight times out of ten, I'm feeling depressed. Yeah. And I make sure I take my antidepressant every day. And they push the pills a lot of times to make it seem like it's going to... Like be this miracle drug, but well, it depends. That I don't think that would be a good psychiatrist because my psychiatrist definitely doesn't do that. Yeah, she tells me all the time. Like I wish I had a a a magical pill to make all the pain and suffering stop. And she's actually told me you have to dig into your skills. Like someone who is, I haven't had that. Maybe that's been your experience. Yeah. Um, but. Like I said, I know medication is controversial, but there are some people that really do. It works for them. Yeah. You know, there are some people that are clinically depressed and they, I, you know, I don't know. Because I've heard someone say that they were depressed. They suffer with depression. I don't know if they, was di- they were diagnosed with it, but they said that they battle with depression and they're not on any antidepressants. Yeah. I'm someone that was diagnosed with having major depression and I'm on an antidepressant. And I've been on different antidepressants um, until finding something that works, but it took a little while. It took also. a little while, and I awesome. yeah, and I wasn't doing the skills. Yeah, because there is no magic pill that's going to stop all the pain, stop all the suffering, stop all the flashbacks, stop all the PTSD. It can help you, but and let me rephrase that. I'm talking about myself. I don't know about anyone else's. Yeah, because um, everyone is different. Everyone and is different. I, I agree, you know. I I I was on the medication for a, a long time and they tried different ones until um toward I think like 3 years before um I got off the medication. I think I was on um Effexor or something mm-hmm. like that and that actually did help me. That helped me for a while. But then um, I started going through things again, and like like you said, I um, like you said about yourself, I, I <clears throat> wanted to see what I can do on my own, mm-hmm. um, and and it does come down to doing the work with or without medication. Right, there's work that has we, to be done. It, yeah, it has to be done. We don't always like to dig deep to find out where the root of that depression is coming from. Although like in my case, um, I think I kind of knew, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to admit it to myself because admitting it to myself meant that 
I was not doing the job that I was supposed to do as far as being a parent, mm-hmm. as, as far as just adulting. Right. You know, like I needed to get a job. I knew that the jobs that I was getting, like they weren't, I knew I could do better. I wasn't being as challenged as I knew I should have been, you know. And do you feel like you're being challenged within your new position? I do. I I am so grateful for this position because I haven't felt this happy um, in a career in a very long time. Mm -hmm. And it shows. Thank you. Like, it shows on your face and... And even in the work, like you, even when you have to work overtime and you're working those long hours, it's not like to heck with this. Like, it's still like you're tired, but I still see passion yeah. in you yeah. for this position. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I, I'm definitely passionate about it because I've been allowed to grow. In this position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes a difference. I noticed I, I had a job. Um, a while ago, this was back in 2008 and I dreaded going to that job. Mm. I mean, I absolutely hated it. Sometimes I would sit in the parking lot crying and I went into a very bad bout of depression. I ended up getting laid off from that job because that was during the um, recession. Yeah, the recession. Mm-hmm. If you remember, I remember. I remember <laughs> the day they called you. Do you really? And they told you that they were going to let you go. Did I you was, see me smiling? Yeah, you were smiling. <laughs> like you didn't even seem sad about I it. I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it was a blessing in disguise. I was not sad at all. But um, yeah, I wasn't being challenged in that position at all. Mm-hmm. And it does make a difference. That's why I'm looking forward to you getting back into the workplace tomorrow, starting your your new position. Because with you being in action, even though it's not, you know, the position that you eventually want to have in right. your life, at least you'll be doing something. Right. You know? Because I haven't worked since last April. Because mm. I ended up being, going, being admitted into the hospital. And mm. even in that position... Um, it was nice to get out of the house. Yeah. But it also was very triggering being... Talk about that. Because Granny, mm-hmm. you know, when when you first got out of the military, mm-hmm. there was a time where, you know, your PTSD, um, it was, it had overtaken your life. Mm. You, there was a time when you couldn't even go outside. Do you mind talking about it or? Yeah. Um, I couldn't even like, I I had, I had to have earphones with me whenever. And it was a mix of different things. You know, I don't really want to, cause I'm still unpacking through that. So I don't want to, um, I want to unpack through that before I uh, really get on here and talk about it. But I will say this, it, I have come very far from that. Like I don't even go out places with earphones and this was just what a year and a half ago. Yeah. And even going to doctor's appointments, walking from my car to the doctor's office, I had to have on earphones and just, to block out everything around me. And 
my earphones were like my bullet with a bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother, granny, says to me, like, look how far you've come. Like, because yeah. I was living with her at the time when I had a, a really bad freak out. And um, my uncle had to come get me, Uncle Rob. From the grocery store. From the store. grocery store. And um, it, it's just like little, I don't know, like anxiety is a real thing. Like it anxiety, is. like, and I've always had really bad anxiety. Because even though I joined the military and I want to make this clear, PTSD is just not for military people or veterans. PTSD, a lot of my post-traumatic stress came before the military. All right, you guys, that is part one of this Think and Grow podcast with Miss Devajna Green. Make sure you tune in next week for the other part of this podcast episode. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Make sure you subscribe, 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 and please go ahead and leave us a message if you have any questions or if you want to hear additional content. Leave us a message and thank you, Ms. Devajna. Stay tuned for part two. Stay tuned. Yay. So, as I was saying, um, PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. That's something I was diagnosed with. Yeah. And I had actually seen a TED Talk that when... Because when you think of certain things, you think of people have like stereotypical examples. Yeah. But PTSD is not just for military people or veterans. of war. Or coming out of war. Like that was the first thing I thought about. I was in the military, but I was never deployed. Yeah. But I was diagnosed with having PTSD. Um, so, and you know, obviously we're not diagnosing anyone, but don't think just because you were a never in the military or you don't know anyone in the military, or even if you were in the military or are still in the military and you've never been deployed or you've never been in a combat zone that you don't have PTSD. PTSD is based on trauma that we face. Exactly. And I've had sexual trauma, or I have sexual trauma, um, physical trauma, emotional trauma, and I I have flashbacks. And a lot, I will say this, um, when I, because I was diagnosed with having bulimia, and the first time I was ever hospitalized for it, um, one of my therapists, two of the best therapists I've ever had. I wish I could still go back to them. Mm-hmm. One was a white lady. One was a black lady. And she said that, you know, as, I'm asking her all of these things. And I'm like, um, you know, is this genetic? You know, because I'm the only person in my family that I know that has an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I always keep this in the back of my head but she said um the gene loads the trigger your environment no the gene loads the gun the environment pulls the trigger mm. oh that's deep that, say that again yeah the the gene loads the gun so your genes load the gun 
and the environment pulls the trigger. Meaning that so, there's things that we are, you know, genetically predisposed to, mm-hmm. but they may not appear. Mm-hmm. Environment, the things that we go through, the things around us may actually bring that out. Right. So mm-hmm. I was, I have made myself purge um, as a kid probably a handful of times. And then it was something that I stopped. Explain purging, just so the so listeners purging, will understand what that um, is. It can be different for some people. What mine thing, not to be too vulgar, but uh, sticking your hand down your throat, sticking your fist down your throat, making yourself throw making up yourself throw up purposely, purposely. What does that? Just so that the listeners can get an understanding of what that does, because I know some people are probably like, she was making herself throw up. Mm-hmm. You know, like, huh? Explain what that what that is, you know, what what that felt like and why you were doing it. Just so that, you know, there's people out there right now that may be listening to this mm-hmm. uh, that don't understand, you know, when you're feeling depressed or unfulfilled, there's things that we do to ourselves like overeating, you know, self-medication, self-medication just yeah. to get some sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's what part of the bulimia is. Right. Correct? So I remember I was doing it to lose weight mm-hmm. and it seemed like you know, the military, I don't remember exactly. And this is not a knock on the military. I'm just simply talking about my experience. And they have, they do, they measure your waist. Um, you have to run a certain mile, a certain amount of miles, sit-ups, push-ups, all of that. And I remember when I had lost the weight and going back home, um, because we were living in Delaware when I started losing the weight mm-hmm. and going back home, everyone was like, Oh my gosh, you lost so much weight. You're so small. And, you know, I started to feel good. Like, Oh wow. Like I, I really did lose a lot of weight. Like I'm fitting into clothes differently. I'm, I'm down a, a, a couple of sizes. And then when I got into the military, I became the big girl again mm-hmm. and people would make comments about my weight. And the boys, even though you were like under two hundred pounds, I was under two hundred pounds. Um, I I just they would just make fun of my weight. The boys, the girls, we would have to shower together, and having loose skin from lo- losing that weight, it, I was very insecure. It made you feel worse. It made me feel worse. Yeah. So I started making myself purging him. And in the military, in the military, mm-hmm. even though I hadn't done it probably in a decade, the last time I probably did it, I was like 13. Yeah. And the military just brought that back up again. Yeah. So I came out of remission and what purging initially it was to lose weight. And then I started liking it. And it would give me this rush. It would give me this high. And it was almost... My days were miserable. My days were long training. And it was almost like... I just wanted to feel something besides misery. Yeah. And it became more than just wanting to lose weight. Even even if I did... Because I wasn't eating horribly in the military. Um... I could have a salad and I would make myself throw that up just to fill those endorphins. Mm. And 
everyone's different. I know uh, I Gabrielle Sidibe, um, she has an eating disorder, bulimia, mm. and she said, I didn't know that. Yeah, I seen an interview that she did, and she said, what made her start make, throwing, making herself throw up more is that it made her stop crying. Mm. So as she said, it didn't have anything to do with losing weight, but she noticed when she started throwing up, you know, sometimes you cry so much you throw up, and she said she stopped crying. And so it was like... She transferred one to the other. To the other. Mm. And that's, for me, what it, it does for me. Um, it It allows me to have my cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you're supposed to eat your cake, but <laughs> it just it it was just it, and it's not good because I actually gained more weight. I'm at the biggest I've ever been, yeah. and and some of that is the medication. And yeah, and some well. of it is the medication as well. But that that's what I have to say about my experiences with bulimia. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Life is so challenging and oh, I wanted to say this too. And don't and I mentioned like I'm bigger the biggest that I've ever been. Don't think it's just for white teenagers. Yeah. Or I've been in hospitals with black women, I've been in hospitals with men and for for bulimia or anorexia or, or anything like that so it doesn't have uh anyone i've been in there with people who have families who are married who yeah. are you know go to church every sunday do you think that because it is very you know people tend to put it in a box like oh you know that's something that you know a white person would do mm-hmm. or do a teenager you, or a teenager do. would do mm-hmm. not even you know associating it with a black person at all mm-hmm. do you think that some of the reason for that is because you know in the black community we don't talk about or acknowledge certain types of, you know, mental challenges or things such as bulimia, anorexia, because it's not, like you said, it, it's not just, you know, <clears throat> one race that that's going through those things. Or one There's, type of person. Or one type of person. Right. There's many, you know, types of people that's going through it. Unfortunately, in our culture, you know, it, it's not treated a lot of times Mm -hmm. it's not talked about it's not acknowledged Mm -hmm. a lot of times so there's probably plenty of people going through it and don't even realize that that's what they're going through do you think that maybe that's one of the reasons because in our culture we really don't you know acknowledge or talk about yeah i think a lot of times, and I and I'm pretty sure this may be like I always think like the Latin and the Black communities are so similar. Yeah. Um, prayer and mm. prayer is good, and I you know I I'm not against prayer, in the Bible or whatever, but I think I think. Even Granny, 
she always says like, um, and I don't know if she knows it, but it hurts my feelings when she says things like, I'm just a guinea pig to mm. these people. Mm, to the doctor, to the doctor, with the medication, with the medications, yeah, with the and my grand and granny was born in nineteen fifty three, yeah. So she has, and I was born in nineteen ninety three. You were born in nineteen seventy six. So we all have these different generational, gener- gaps. yeah, g- generational gaps, and I feel like I was naive up until I was hospitalized. Every time I've been hospitalized three times for uh, this eating disorder, and each time I was hospitalized, there was another black woman there with me mm. every single time. Mm. And they would even say that that was kind of like what bonded us together was like, I didn't know black people went through this. Yeah. And it was so, it was kind of like, you know, we had this unspoken language with one another. And I think a lot of times what we do, even we just went back for a a cousin, your niece, her birthday. Mm -hmm. And we were having uh, dinner at uh, at a family member's house. And we're writing in the group chat and we're like, okay, we're going to have this. We're going to have that. We're going to have this. And my sister is like, we don't need all that food. Yeah. And it's like, and we're so used to having this, all of this food, everything we do, funerals, just food, weddings, their food, just because there's (laughs) Sundays, there's food. We just (laughs) eat, 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 eat. So for a, a, a person to say, to step out and say like, hey, this is bothering me, that they they become the black sheep of the family. Mm, and looked at like, why are you, you know, this is what we're, this yeah. is what we do. Even I've been called mm. white girl by so many family members. Like, it's not even friends. Like, it's not even, like, I would probably have a million bucks. But <laughs> it's not just a white person thing. It's not just a white girl thing or a white boy thing or a teenager thing. Like, I'm 27. When I tried it as a kid, I stopped. It wasn't for me. I picked it back up when I was 23, 24. And that's not a teenager. I'm a black woman. I've been in there with people in their 40s and in their 50s. Like, who who have teenage kids who, like, they're worried about, like, if my teenager catches me doing this, what are they going to, you know, kids are impressionable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I do think that it has a lot to do with how you grow up. And it reminds me of the Boondocks episode where where Grandpa, um, God rest um, his soul, I can't think of his name, sorry. Um, But everything was surrounded by food. There was pork in the salad there was like it has to make it challenging even more challenging it does it makes it because i'm someone who wants to lose weight yeah and you know i remember being in the hospital and you know saying like like this is like i didn't realize how hard it was going to be to overcome this yeah and it's, it's it's um changing your perception yeah, because the thing is for, and I'm not taking, saying that no one's addictions or no one's struggles are more or less than um, anyone, anyone else's, but alcohol, you don't have to drink alcohol. Alcohol is not always there. Mm-hmm. Drugs are not always there. Food is always there. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes it more difficult 
You know, like that's the first thing I think of when I wake up. Yeah. Is food. Food is the first thing I think of. Food is the last thing that I think of. Because along with the purging, I also binge. Mm. And binging is eating the way my psychiatrist explained it to me recently was eating either a small or a big amount of food in a short amount of time trying to fill like some emotional void yeah and honestly i i may be the only person in our family that sticks their finger down their throat but i don't think i'm the only person in our family that has an eating disorder as coming to know what eating disorders are yeah because it's not just sticking your finger down yeah it can be yeah I, I definitely eating. think binging yeah. runs in this family yeah um I can, I can remember times where i would um just to feel something you know i would just eat mm-hmm. just eat until I was just stuffed to the point where now you, it, it, you have this lethargic moment. Where you can't you, even move. You can't even move mm-hmm. just to feel something. Right. And and it made me miserable, you know. Mm-hmm. It does. Feeling like that. It does. It, it's a, such a miserable feeling because it's like when you come back to, because it's almost like you're in this, you're trying to get high. Mm-hmm. And or at least me, I'm trying to get high, and after that high is over, because my high doesn't last days. Yeah, you know, um, it's like why did I just do that? And then you feel like you're starting right back at square one, and mm-hmm. it's like you do it again, and it's like why did I do that? Then you get bumped back to another square, then you get bumped back to another square, and it's tricky. I haven't. One hundred percent, come over it. Come, you know, over overcome it. I'm still in the process. I'm still working with psychiatrists. Um, like I said before, in the beginning of part one, I'm not in therapy right now. But that's just because um, my psychiatrists were looking for a therapist that suits suits my needs, and I'm going to be working full time. So I'll probably be going on um, talk space. But um, even that, like. Uh, my therapist, the one therapist that the hospital that I go to, I said, I want a black therapist. Mm-hmm. And two of the things that I was diagnosed with, he doesn't specialize in it. Mm. So they're cautious to just put you out there. On yeah. Anything. And he's not specialized in either of the two things that I've been diagnosed with. Even yeah. though I've been diagnosed with a few th- other things that he specializes in, he's not special. He's not, uh, he has, he doesn't specialize and two of the things that I have been diagnosed with. So it's also bringing back up to your therapy why you probably couldn't find someone with your needs because yeah. with your diagnosis... Um, and mine's was uh, severe depression, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Mine's is uh, major depression with psychotic features, mm-hmm. bulimia nervosa, PTSD, and borderline personality disorder. Mm. And the only in this black therapists are definitely needed because at my hospital there's only one black therapist and I wanted a woman. But yeah. He's a man. They only have a man. Yeah. And he's not diagnosed. He's not he doesn't specialize in border personality disorder or eating disorders. And you know, at first I was like just give me him. Like I just want a black therapist. Yeah. But now as I'm sitting here as I'm talking, I'm like but you haven't overcome this. Yeah. 
So you may be doing, because I do have my days that I do well, mm-hmm. but I still haven't been able to shake the fact that I can't stop thinking about food constantly. Yeah. So I, I do need to be with someone who specializes in that because all, all the time that I'm, I was talking to my old therapist, it was always about purging. Mm-hmm. It was never about binging. Mm. And I never realized how much I do do binge. I never realized how because purging is obvious to me. Like I'm literally going in the bathroom, locking the bathroom door, turning on the showers so no one can hear me sticking my finger down my throat. Purging, I'm doing that right in the open. Eating disorders are very like sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, like it forces you to be secretive, or at least for me, like it's a very secretive type of thing. Mm-hmm. And binging i i don't binge in secret like i binge right in the open you can be standing there earphones in yeah yeah and i i haven't had i haven't i have yet to have um like sessions about that like i just talked to my psychiatrist but she's my psychiatrist we have like a 30 minute 20 to 30 minute conversation yeah um but in therapy i haven't had that yeah. So, yeah. I I do believe that um we have to take one thing at a time. Yeah. When we are going on a journey to improve our life, mm-hmm. you know, trying to tackle everything at once can be very overwhelming. Oh, very overwhelming. Yeah. And I and I have you told me like I do that a lot. Like yeah. you you'll tell me like pick one thing at a time. Yeah. Cuz you know, because all the it's like if you keep grabbing, everything's gonna fall back on you. But if yeah. you take, if you like focus on one thing at a time, slowly take a block off, mm. put that block down, yeah. you know, clean it. But if you're like just grabbing, it's all gonna fall down, and nothing's gonna get fixed. Yeah, no, and it's gonna be even more of a mess than when you first begin. Yeah. So you also struggle with your weight. Yeah. Being obese at a time. Um, from hearing what I've talked about binging, would you say not, and we're not diagnosing each other, Yeah. but would you say that you struggled with, I did, uh, binging and, um, not so much. Well, yeah, I, it was like eating disorder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely, I can remember, um, you guys were young at the time and, um, just being in the house and, you know, my ex would be going out on the weekends and I think I was scared to say, you know, stay here with me or, you know, I was feeling so like my self-esteem was really, really low at the time. I was, mm-hmm. you know, 300 pounds mm-hmm. and just to feel and you're not something. Tall. Yeah. And I'm only five, three and a quarter. Yeah. So it's easy to see it on you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would be like, okay, you know, before you go out, go get me some Doritos. I and remember Snickers. those days. Yeah. And Doritos Pepsi. and bologna yeah. sandwiches. And I, I remember just, eating that. Yeah. yeah. And I would just be, you know, nighttime laying in the bed eating mm-hmm. just to feel something. Right. You know, I didn't know at the time that that's what I was doing, that I was using food as like a comfort. Right. Right. You know, and I don't, I don't think most like I, 
the show My 600 Pound Life, I can't watch that show anymore yeah. because it's such a trigger for me. Yeah. And I I used to watch it. And it's used, depressing to me. It's depressing it. even though, like, to see, like, they get the surgery and, like, how far they come. But, but you know, you understand Because I am them. Yeah. yeah. And I used to watch it to be like, at least I'm not that big. But yeah. I may not be 600 pounds. I may not even be 400 or 300 pounds. Yeah. But... You know, them being molested when they were young. Mm-hmm. Them being raped when, you know, by a boy. Those are things that have happened to me, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's just, even Dr. Now, uh, he'll say, like, uh, he'll say, you know, he'll say that they have eating disorders. Yeah. Like, it's in, again, like, a lot of times people only look at eating disorders as one type of person or a couple type of people can have eating disorders. And um, that's just not true. So my six, I remember I was watching, um, like, and some of them, sometimes they die because they're not able to mm. shake that. Like, they have, they definitely have um, my 600 pound episodes where the client, they passed away. They passed away. Mm. And it's so sad. And, you know, some people, they watch it to make fun of them. or to like make I, themselves feel Yeah, and I've seen people. memes that's, like, talking about, like, how they all have relationships on there. But it's so... People can just be so mean. So mean. And, like, to be able to not be able to shower. Like, I was watching the episode where the woman, she couldn't even shower in her house. She had to shower outside because mm. her bathroom was too small. So they had to wash her up on the porch. Mm. And to know that you're hurting yourself, like you know that you're hurting yourself. You deep know, down. Deep yeah. down. And you know that that food is ultimately going to... Like in your life. In your life. But you want that instant you gratification. You want that instant gratification. Yeah. And that's what food is to me. Yeah. Like I... I'm single. I've been in bad relationships. Yeah. And I'm eating and eating large, like cheeseburgers and pizza. Because sometimes salads, they just don't give you that ultimate high mm-hmm. that you want. That like, comfort food. That comfort thing. food. You're looking for that <laughs> grease and that butter and that fat and mm-hmm. that sugar. And no one is no good. Boy. No one. And that deep fried whatever. Chicken, a buffalo chicken wing. Yeah. <laughs> deep fried pizza. <laughs> deep fried Oreo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're looking for that because those are the things that give you that instant high, that right. gratification. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know. Why did I say I don't? I don't yeah, I don't <laughs> We had tacos last night for dinner. <laughs> Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so binging yeah. and then there's restricting, which I also do. And restricting, so how my pattern works, it's restrict. So I try to go on these fad diets and mm-hmm. try to do, and we're not going to name it because we don't want to get sued. Like these teas that make you just go to the bathroom and, oh, goodness, and all that. Those detox teas. So it goes. I see so I, many you, women yeah, doing that. Teas. And not yeah. even just women, men too. Men, I know yeah. I know some men who yeah. try them. And I restrict and then I get really hungry. So I'll binge and then I'll feel guilty for binging and then I'll purge and I'll feel guilty for that. So my pattern goes restrict, binge, purge. Yeah. And that's 
how it works when I'm on a day that I'm just like, I don't like to skip meals. Like when I lost the 60 pounds, I lost it uh, naturally. naturally going yeah. to the gym and portion control. And it took me a year and a half to lose 60 pounds, a year and a half. Yeah. When I got into the military, it seemed like you needed to weigh this. Like, everything was, like, had to be sped up. Yeah. And so, I started going to drastic measures to lose my weight or keep my weight. And I'm still trying to get that out of my head. Like, it took you a year and a half to lose 60 pounds, but you still lost it. Yeah. That's that's one of the things. You, you spoke earlier about, um, you know, you had lost all this weight. And you had got when you had gotten to the military, even though you were down sixty pounds, mm-hmm. you still felt like the biggest person there. And that that's one of the things that I don't like about social media because it's so easy to get caught up into that perception that you are supposed to look a certain way. Right. You know, that I was on Instagram the other night and um I found myself falling into that spell of, oh, you know, she looks nice in this dress. Oh, I love that dress, but oh, I got this roll on my back. It's not going to look right, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 uh, I empathize and, and I do over, I overstand mm-hmm. how that feels um, sometimes because. I started on a journey of self-love, you know, I sometimes forget how it feels to not have that self-love and, and there, so they say God will bring you back, you know, do a full circle so you can remember and you mm-hmm. can relate. I was able to remember and relate because I found myself going down that rabbit hole of, you know, looking on Instagram at these, you know, beautiful clothes and, and it's like, it does make you feel really, really bad about yeah. yourself. Even though, you know, I, I talk about the filters and stuff, you know, and I know that in the back of my mind, but, you know, it, it brought me back to that place. And I, I, I say that to say for anyone that's listening, you know, your journey is your journey. And if you want to do something in your life to make you feel better the healthy way is always the best way. Right. You know, you you no one is perfect. No one should even put that perception out there that we need to be perfect because right. we don't. Like how you said like your roles, I think about my stretch marks. Mhm. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, my body is literally covered in stretch marks." Yeah. Even if I was to lose the weight and feel good, would I actually wear a bikini because I have stretch marks on my stomach? Mm-hmm. And you know, finish you can go ahead no go ahead and yeah i just it's it's very i'm not against plastic surgery let me start off by saying that i actually want plastic surgery i think wanting it because you feel like it's gonna because again it's not a i don't i don't I don't it's know. It's a personal decision. It's a personal decision. Yeah. And that doesn't mean everything in your life is going to magically fall into place right. once you get plastic surgery. Right. You still have to work on yourself. Mm-hmm. And I know it's hard when you're looking on Instagram. From the end, so you have to start from the Exactly. Inside. And you're seeing all these beautiful women and they're 
their bodies and every rapper wants to date them and every basketball player and every fo- and that's I don't have an Instagram and I don't have an Instagram for that reason. I have a Twitter. Yeah. I like Twitter better than Instagram. Yeah. But I don't have an Instagram for that very reason. Yeah, which and, wait, let me stop you for okay. a moment because that okay. goes into the question of the day. The question guys. of the day, guys. <laughs> so, the question of the day is which social media platform do you like most? So you have Snapchat, one of my best friends, she loves Snapchat. She uses it to exchange, like to to talk with people instead of always giving them her number. Mm. Um, Twitter, which is my favorite. Um, I like Twitter, like if I want to vent, I like Twitter for that. Twitter. Uh, Also Twitter to see what's trending, so like uh politics I or used that that day we were yeah. talking about it. i was like oh okay let me go on and sure enough there were some uh <laughs> yeah politics what's going on in the world and what's going on in the world um instagram which is my least favorite <laughs> my least favorite picture like, yeah but some people love like i heard beyonce say like she loves she doesn't prefer twitter she likes instagram because she likes to tell her story through photography mm. um so instagram mm. yeah uh facebook and what you have now on TikTok. Yeah. And now TikTok. Yeah. Well, would you say TikTok is on them? I wouldn't say TikTok is like a social media platform. Well, yeah, TikTok can be. Or, I like the music that we Yeah, do okay, so TikTok, <laughs> or if you guys have any other ones that we miss, feel free to share. But my favorite is Twitter, and your favorite is what? Um, I like Instagram, Instagram, and now I'm liking TikTok. And now she's liking but TikTok. Just to, I like TikTok just to go on there and look at some of the funny videos. Yeah. And listen to, like, the latest music. I, I get a lot of my music that I From put TikTok. on my playlist on yeah. TikTok. I'm oh, like, or YouTube. Will YouTube count us out? Yeah. Well, I would have to say YouTube is my favorite and then Twitter. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah. YouTube, <laughs> then Twitter. All right, you guys, that is it for now. So, again, make sure you subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you like this content, if you like this podcast, make sure you leave us a message letting us know. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you, Devajna, for joining me tonight. You're welcome. You guys are going to hear more of Miss Diva on this podcast. So, you guys... If you if you uh liked what we talked about, make sure you let us know and leave her a message letting her know that you support her and that she is not alone. And also tell us how we can support you guys because mm-hmm. we want this to be like a family. It's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, most mm-hmm. definitely. Most definitely. All right, you guys, we are signing off. And remember, my drive to thrive will make me survive. My drive to thrive will make me survive. Do you have an affirmation that you like to say, Miss Diva? I do, actually. Yeah? What is that? So I'm going to read Psalms 91. And it says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Mm -hmm. I love that. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us. See you next week. Bye.